0: Well, it's been about two months since we've been doing church like this, online, over video. And if you're new with us, we've been doing that from my home. But uh, two months into this thing, like many of you can probably relate, I had to get out uh, and just break up the monotony. And so I'm coming to you from our church building. Now, if you've been a part of our church for a while... Hey, remember this place? You might have forgotten what it looks like. It's a nice place. And if you're new with us, what's crazy to me is maybe you've never been to this place. And so I'm so glad I could come to you from our church building today and so glad you could join us from wherever you are. Hey, today is a special day It's Mother's Day, and I just want to take a moment to let you know, moms, how much we appreciate you and value you. I I hope you've already experienced that this morning. I hope you got breakfast in bed, and kids or dad, if you didn't do breakfast in bed, do lunch in bed, right? Make that happen. Let's celebrate our moms today. And uh, I know I'm thankful for my mom and just the Christ-like influence she's had in my life over the course of my life. I'm thankful for so many of you moms that are part of Phoenix Bible Church for your Christ-like influence over your kids. And I just want you to know today that what you do matters and more importantly, God wants you to know today that what you do matters. You see, here's what I know is during these unique days is that there have probably been moments or, or even days where you've wondered that, like, is any of this making a difference? Like, is my, my love, my devotion, my time, is it making a difference with my kids And you need to be reminded that it is, that God is using it to make a difference, that it's not just up to you. It's not up to your perfection. Moms, you need to hear this. Your perfection in homeschooling, your perfection in discipline, your perfection in doing things around the house. It's not up to your perfection to make a difference. That Christ, in His perfection, through you and even through your weakness, that His power is made perfect in your life as a mom. And you are making a difference. And we want you to know that you are celebrated today. Uh, My wife, uh, so thankful for her. She's a mom of three. And as I was thinking about this sermon today, we're talking about unshakable joy in unprecedented times. And as I was thinking about our life and just the different seasons of our life, um, we've had some hard seasons that haven't been full of joy. Now, this season is unique, and, and for everybody, it's, it's different, but we've had some hard seasons in life, and I was thinking about one in particular. It was when I graduated seminary, and we had our first child two days later after I graduated. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, two weeks later, we moved. And we didn't just move uh, to a different city with a two-week-old baby. Uh, we moved to start a church, to work with a nonprofit, and to start a business on the side. Uh, we go big or go home, apparently, right? And it was a difficult season. It was a difficult season financially. It was a difficult season emotionally, relationally. It was a difficult season vocationally, right? We were trying to juggle different jobs all at the same time. And oftentimes, when I think about that season, I just think about the difficulty. But again, my wife is a great woman of God, and she will just do little things that reminds me of God's goodness and of joy. And she'll do that just simply by taking out pictures, real pictures, or pictures on our phone, or videos from our phone. And she'll show me pictures or videos from that time, like that time where life was kind of hard and we had our first child, we just moved and we were juggling all these jobs. And she'll show me pictures of like our firstborn child learning how to walk. She'll she'll show me a video of our firstborn child like on the balcony of our little apartment throwing food out to these little deer that would walk up to our apartment behind our apartment. She'll show me a video of just me playing with our kid or she'll show me pictures of us going out on dates and getting a night away and and she'll show me pictures and every time I see those pictures, you know what I think? Man, that was a hard time, but I wish I would have enjoyed it more. See, here's what I know. This is a hard time. Like for many of us, to different degrees, it's a hard time. But we are going to come out on the other side of this. And some of us are going to have some pictures that we're going to look at. And we're going to remember moments of joy. And we're going to think to ourselves, man, that time was hard but I wish I'd experienced more joy. I wish I would have taken advantage of the pace of life that had changed or the people in my life that, that I was quarantined with. And, and, and man, we're going to think like I wish I would have taken advantage of that time. I wish I'd experienced more joy in that time. And I don't want that. I don't want that kind of regret. I want us to experience unshakable joy even in these unprecedented times. And I want that for you, but God, more importantly, wants that for you. And we see an example of that in Scripture. In Philippians 4, the the passage that we already read, uh, grab a Bible if you didn't already, get that in front of you. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. And the Apostle Paul, he's talking about joy. In fact, he says this in verse 10, look at the verse. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And the reality is, if you look at the whole of the book of Philippians, it's a book about joy. In fact, 13 times, Paul mentions joy or rejoice. And it's not just like a good idea that he mentions or that God mentions through him, like you should have joy. In chapter four, earlier in chapter four, it's a mandate, it's a command. We see Paul say, rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. And as most scholars look at that command, it's it's pretty interesting. It's the only time we see a command repeated in that way. And if you think about it, the Ten Commandments, like thou shalt not steal. You don't see, thou shalt not steal, and again I say, Thou shalt not steal. But you see that this command to to rejoice in chapter 4 repeated like that. Because God cares about your joy. God wants you to have joy so much that He makes it a command and that He repeats it. And Paul is experiencing that joy. He says, just personally, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And and then he tells us why. The source of that joy. Look at the verse with me. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. What's Paul saying? He's saying, "I, I rejoice that you have shown concern for me, that you the, the Philippian church has had an opportunity. He says you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. They have an opportunity now, in whatever means tangibly to show concern for Paul. They're showing him some love, right? And, and here's what I think is so interesting about that is this is the Apostle Paul talking here, right? Now, if you're new to the Bible or new to this whole church thing, uh, the Apostle Paul wasn't always an apostle. He was. Uh, pursuing Christians to kill them. And then in Acts chapter 9, God shows up through the person of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus, and he changes Paul's life. And he doesn't just change Paul's life, he commissions Paul out. He makes him an apostle, which means sent one. And Paul begins to to not pursue Christians to kill them, but build up Christians and point them to Jesus and, and add more Christians to the faith by, by evangelizing and starting new churches and writing letters to churches just like the book of Philippians. All right. He writes two-thirds of our New Testament. So you've got Paul, an apostle, a leader, uh, in the early church, part of the rise of the early church, very significant person, and you have him receiving concern, receiving love, and it gives him joy. Now, here's what's interesting to me about that is many times leaders in pride or maybe just self-sufficiency, man, they they have a hard time receiving concern. I I know I experienced that at times, like, well, I'm supposed to be the one who always shows concern to other people, and moms, come on, Moms, you, you do this, like you show concern for everybody in your house all the time, but do you ever stop to receive concern? Right? And maybe all of us, whether you're a mom or a leader of a business or not, maybe through this particular time that we we're in, these unprecedented times we're in, maybe vocationally life's gotten hard, financially, relationally, emotionally, life's gotten hard, and somebody has asked you like, hey man, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? How can I pray for you? And you've just kind of pinged them back on text or over the phone and just said, I'm okay. I'm good. And maybe they said, like, are you sure? Like, I know this happened or I heard you were sick or I heard this was going on in your family. And like, are you sure you're okay? And you just kind of doubled down like, yeah, I- I'm okay. And in self-sufficiency, maybe even pride, you have been unable to receive concern, to receive love. And as a result, you're missing out on joy. The joy that God commands in Scripture. And one of the ways, Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the ways he gets joy is not just by showing concern, but by humbling himself to stop and say, man, I appreciate your concern. And it's giving him joy. And so in these unique days that we're in, listen, don't be so prideful or so self-sufficient that you can't receive concern from other people. You can't receive if somebody ask you how to to pray for you. That you would just tell them. That you'd receive concern if somebody asks you like how are you doing. That it's okay to say hey I'm not doing that great and receive concern. Receive a word of encouragement from somewhere else from someone else. I have a good friend who is also a pastor and we've been friends since college and. Uh, we were on a text chain, just a few of us from college, college friends, just talking about sports or something silly. And I remember at one point, one of my friends was kind of giving my friend who's a pastor a hard time. And he said, hey, do you need a hug? And my friend kind of got serious in that moment and said, actually, I need more than that. And it sort of broke the ice. And we began to talk about what was going on in his life and some of the circumstances in his life that have been hard. In fact, we went beyond a text and had a phone call to talk about that. And, and he, he had been grinding away in all these circumstances in his family, in his church, that have been really hard. And for a moment, he finally stopped and just said, okay, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a leader, I'm a pastor, but I need help. Like, I need more than a hug. And he began to receive our concern and something changed. A joy came about him. He's he's a guy who has a great sense of humor, and he started to come back with that a little bit. And he began to have a new found joy because he'd received concern. And I would just encourage you, just to stop, moms, leaders, self sufficient people, prideful people. Listen, I'm included in that. Just to stop and receive concern and therefore receive joy. Let the people in your life, the people in our church, love you, show concern for you, and as a result, experience joy. So how do we experience unshakable joy? We receive concern. And then second, we experience contentment. Uh, We see uh, this contentment starting in verse 11. Look at that verse. Paul says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then he sort of describes this contentment. He says, I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we see Paul explaining contentment right here, but he's also living contentment that Paul writes the book of Philippians from prison. Like Maybe some of you are thinking, well, Paul rejoices in the Lord greatly because he was probably living a cush life. No, Paul was in prison even as he writes this, even as he's rejoicing greatly. And so he had a contentment that was independent of his circumstance. He wasn't just explaining this, he was living this, right? And we see that from Paul. He's a great example of contentment. He he says, uh, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Uh, to live is Christ. I mean, I'm going to give purpose and, and meaning and the joy of knowing Christ and abiding in Him and and starting all these churches and seeing people come to know Him to live as Christ. But He also says, if I were to die, I get to go be with Christ, and that's gain, that's contentment. Paul lived that. He he did ministry and made a huge impact outside of prison, but then he got put in prison. What does Paul do? He writes two-thirds of our New Testament, some of that from prison. He he wrote letters that we still read today, that we're reading right now, that's giving us joy in the midst of this unprecedented time, right? And he did that from prison. And so Paul lived contentment. He didn't just talk about it. And I think for a lot of us, we could look at Paul and think, okay, well, yeah, of course Paul lived contentment because he's Paul. I mean, he's like a hero of the faith. He's like supernatural, right? And the reality uh, is Paul had to learn contentment. I I love this. You see it in verse 11. He says, for I learned in whatever situation to be content. You see, Paul didn't have some kind of superhuman perspective on life, and therefore he was content. Paul wasn't just, Paul was human. (laughs) He may be a hero of the faith, and that's okay, but he was still human, it wasn't some sort of personality trait that allowed Paul to be content. But many of us, we view contentment and we view joy that way, don't we? I mean, you just have people in your life right now who, even in this hard time, and, and they are, not just they're faking it till they make it, but they have genuine joy. And you look at them and you think, man, how do you have that? Moms, maybe somebody, you're seeing some other moms and they just, man, they seem to be they're like reading books with their kids. And they're like doing all these at-home adventures and creations. And like, you're just like, man, they just seem so joyful. And, and again, the genuine ones, not the ones who are just on Instagram looking joyful. Like the people you know who are really joyful. And maybe sometimes you attribute that to, well, you know, well, that's just Susie. That's just the way she is. I mean, that's just her Enneagram number. I mean, that's just her Myers-Briggs. Like it's kind of a personality trait that she's content in joy-filled as a person. And the reality is what we see is even Paul, the apostle, he learned contentment, that it can be learned, right? And that whatever personality you have, you can look at the person of Jesus and learn contentment. And that's actually what Paul says in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this is a verse you probably know, but you probably know out of context, You see, I imagine you've seen a meme or a banner that said like, I can do all things who strengthens me. And it was typically accompanied by someone with large muscles right, or someone with a cape. And the idea is like, I can be whoever I want to be through Christ who strengthens me. But if you look closer at this context, what we've been talking about, Paul's talking about joy. Paul's talking about contentment and he says i can do all, i can face plenty and hunger i can face abundance and need and be content in every circumstance because i can do all things through christ who strengthens me that that verse is about being content as we learn contentment and we learn it through christ who strengthens us so contentment can be learned joy can be learned it's not some kind of personality trait that some people have and don't but it's learned through christ who strengthens us. So we need to look for a moment is how does Christ experience joy and contentment? Well, first you need to know is that Christ is, his life is marked by contentment and joy, right? Right when Jesus shows up on the scene, Luke chapter 2, we see in his birth there's good news of great joy, right? At the end of his life, Hebrews 12 verse 2, that Christ goes to the cross for the joy set before him. So the beginning of Jesus' life and the end of Jesus' life is marked by this incredible contentment and joy. And that's who we learn contentment from. And so how did Christ, how did Jesus have that kind of joy? Specifically, as you look at the end of his life, Hebrews 12.2, Jesus goes to the cross for the joy set before him. What was joyful about the cross? Was it the physical pain Was it the public shame? Was that how he experienced the cross and the joy set before him in the cross? No. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. He experienced pain. That's why he said, hey, Father, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus experienced all the pain and the shame of the cross, but he still experienced joy. How? Because Jesus saw the bigger picture. He saw that that pain and that shame would lead to your rescue and would lead to your forgiveness and would lead to people 2,000 years later coming to know Jesus, even through a pandemic, that that would happen through the cross. And even though there was pain and shame and difficulty, Jesus experienced joy. So how do we learn contentment and joy from Christ who strengthens us? We see the bigger picture, even through a pandemic. We see God is God still has a purpose through this pain. God's still bringing insight even amidst amidst our isolation. Right? We see the bigger picture, and we learn contentment from Christ that way. We learn joy from Christ that way. I I think a great example of this is David in the Old Testament, And, and I don't know if he saw the bigger picture, but he went through hardship. He went through isolation. Uh, many times, David was running from King Saul because Saul was trying to kill him. And David was in a cave, in isolation, in quarantine, if you will. But God used that time for a bigger picture, a bigger purpose. He, he used it to help build up David as he was preparing to lead his kingdom. One day, he did that while David was in a cave. He, he helped David process his, his hardships and his joys through what we read now as the Psalms. Like, that was all penned, a lot. not all of them, but some of them, well, well, David was in a cave experiencing hardship, running for his life. And so we can look at David, we can see the bigger picture that if you read a Psalm the other day and you were encouraged by it and blessed by it, and God did that through David in a hardship and a moment of isolation, And he can do the same thing for us. And we can learn contentment as we realize that truth. As we learn contentment from Christ. As we learn joy from Christ. That there is a bigger work that Jesus is doing in your life, in your home, in your job, in your lack of job. God is doing a bigger work. And it may not be one that we can see right now. But one day, we're going to look back on this time. And we're probably going to do what I did at the beginning of this talk that I talked about. We're probably going to look at some pictures. And we're probably going to think about the hardships and and the the panic and the fear and the anxiety and the stay-at-home order and the the loss. And we're going to lament over that, but we're going to see some pictures. And we're going to be reminded, oh, there was some joy in that time. There were some people that showed concern for me during that time. Our church bonded together during that time and and we experienced concern from one another. We experienced contentment as we learned it through Christ. And, And man, there was joy there. Listen, I don't want you to, I don't want you to just look back on pictures one day and experience that bigger picture version and experience joy. I want you to have that unshakable joy in unprecedented times. I want you to experience joy now. And so how can you receive concern? Listen, if you're a part of Phoenix Bible Church, we want you to receive concern. If you're in need, we want you to fill out our benevolence form and receive concern in a really tangible way. If you're lonely, we want you to be a part of a community group, even if it's over Zoom digitally and hopefully soon in person. And there's people that want to show you concern. Let them. Let them. Drop your pride. Let go of your self-sufficiency and receive concern and experience joy. Some of you need to just take a step today to receive concern from your family, from your friends, from our church. And all of us need to continue to learn contentment through Christ as we see the bigger picture of what He is trying to do, how He is molding us, how He's using us with the people in front of us, the people far from God, even in these unprecedented days. And that we might experience joy Now, that's my prayer for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you that you've sent Jesus to be an example of joy from the beginning of his life, good news of great joy to the end of his life, that he went to the cross even for the joy set before him. And God, I pray uh, that we would look at his example. Jesus, we would look at your example of how you experience joy, and you would begin to grow us into a joyful people, not because all our circumstances are great, or because we have health, wealth, and prosperity, or because we come out of this COVID-19 season, but we would have joy right now, independent of circumstance, that's found solely in you and one another. God, help us with that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.